This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. My whole life, I have like avoided routines. I didn't want to be a typical mom. I didn't want to have a typical job. But in the end, those all those things ended up trapping me. Mm-hmm. And self, Mike, I ended up self-destructing to where it's like, I could lose the things that are the most important to me because I am so desperate to have this freedom. Mm-hmm. And what is freedom if you're just all alone and yeah. isolated and lonely? Right. What does it look like to create in your daily rhythms, a more spacious life? And what does it look like to be that spacious place for other people? Well, in the dedication to a spacious life, I dedicated it to my friends, Jason and Carla Reed. They created for us a spacious place in the turning world. In this conversation, I wanted to talk with Carla about our almost 10 years of friendship as well as what does it look like to create boundaries, experience grief, and so many things that are involved in both accepting our limits and moving through them towards a more spacious life. Enjoy this conversation with Carla. Welcome to the Finding Holy Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Hales, author of A Spacious Life. I love big ideas, but ideas have to move beyond an ivory tower to find their application in the midst of our work and our laundry routines. Here on the Finding Holy podcast, expect conversations about how to live faithfully in a post-Christian world, but without the vitriol, posturing, or shouting across the aisles. In each conversation, you'll get to hear my guests' wisdom, their laundry routine, and for this season, also their hustle habit. Let's find holy together. Well, friends, it's really fun to have my very good friend, Carla Reed, on the podcast because she is the dedicatee. Is that how you even say that? I don't know. (laughs) But I dedicated the book to Carla and her husband, Jason. So thanks for being here, Carla. Thank you for having me. This is always so fun. Yes, yes. So tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do? How do you spend your time? Oh man, that is a question. It's changed so much in the last year. I know. <laughs> so I currently live in the Midwest. My husband, with my husband and three kids, um, we moved back home. Really, this is my husband's hometown. I grew up, you know, not far from here. About a year ago, and we are currently renovating a house, uh, like a mid-century modern house that we bought from the original owner, who was 97, and it's been a labor of love. So that's kind of what we are doing, kind of as a project as a family. And then, as far as my work, I am on Instagram as a social media influencer, I guess you want to say. Yeah, <laughs> I consider myself a stylist. That's kind of my heart, the heart of like what I do and what I share on Instagram is. I love to empower women to own their own style and encourage them in, in just knowing themselves better through fashion. Yeah. And she has gone through my closet and helped me. It's yeah. And there's nothing like putting on an outfit (laughs) that feels like yourself. So Carla is super helpful that way um, (laughs) with lots of tips and tricks and educational content. So 
lest you think, you know, you hear the word influencer and you run away scared, you know that there is a variety <laughs> in that space, right? <laughs> isn't just trying to, yeah, I don't know. You yeah. Know, I like have to have shiny like, pictures and yeah. Yeah. I, I like to think that we are all influencing. It's mm-hmm. all in what you choose to do with that power. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, some of us have bigger audiences than others. For me, it's always been about helping people Mm-hmm. and just feel like it's a privilege to be able to have a space where I can talk about something that I'm really passionate about that I think is also really helpful to other women. Mm-hmm. Totally. Well, I dedicated A Spacious Life to Jason and Carla because they have been ministry partners with us for five years in Southern California. We moved, we met originally in Salt Lake City, Utah, friends, we came up to <laughs> my husband, Bryce, and I came up to Jason and Carla when they showed up at our church and we're like, they look like friend material. <laughs> so we made a beeline and <laughs> <laughs> our daughters are the same age and yeah, our kids got along know. and it's pretty fun. So we, we enjoyed a lot of years of friendship before convincing them to move to California and start a church. And then many of you know, if you've read A Spacious Life, that in 2020, my husband stepped down from that planting position and Jason and Carla stepped down as well from their leadership position at the church. And we went our separate ways and which is horribly sad. And you'll see that in chapter nine, but I really wanted to (laughs) identify and just thank them for the sort of spacious place that they provided for us. So we're going to talk a little bit about some of those themes for a bit and you'll get to know Carla. So yeah, what is it? What was it like, you know, reading a spacious life yourself? (laughs) How did that feel? Did it feel weird stories about you? (laughs) Well, you're, yeah, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, your books are different. They always feel highly personal to me. Like um, Mm -hmm. your first book, I felt very connected to, because I felt like you were telling our story. I mean, you were telling your story, but you were mm-hmm. telling our story too of just like finding holy in the suburbs, yeah. <laughs> moving to a suburb in Southern California and like kind of what that looked like for us. And so, and then a spacious life. I mean, I feel like it's, it's kind of a bookend of kind of this mm-hmm. time that we served together. I was just thinking it's like next year will be like our 10 year friend anniversary. Oh, <laughs> like, we should go on a trip with you guys for 10 years. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I know. Right. So it was just very sweet. And, you know, I know you so well, and I know so many of your stories. And so some of them felt like, you know, very familiar and warm and comforting, but then somewhere like there were new stories in there that I had mm. not heard you tell before, which is the beauty of friendship and like, knowing someone for years, but then also them always surprising you. So it was, it was lovely and sad. <laughs> like, Slightly well, melancholy. Like some, yeah, exactly. Like reading some of the stories and just being like, wow, like, yeah, we spent a lot of time kind of being those people for each other, mm-hmm. like creating um, space for each other and such comfort. And, you know, this, even though it's been a year since we've kind of gone our separate ways, there's still that we don't, we don't have that Mm -hmm. (laughs) yet where we are. And I know that that takes time. I mean, I look at our friendship and it's been 10 years in the making. And so those things don't just like happen over time. Mm. So it was, it was beautiful. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. So as you know, as we consider, how do we create a spacious place for other people? 
Um, what yeah. are the elements that you've noticed, like either in receiving it or giving it? You know, I, I just kind of think of, yeah. we've had so many conversations, the four of us and you and I in particular, and, and, you know, there's a sense in which there's a posture of like, I am for you and I'm not going to leave you. And so you're mm. able to bring your whole self. I feel like we, mm-hmm. we gave that to each other. Yeah. I mean, I think for me personally, and I think reading the book made me realize like how I have to first embrace that in my own life mm-hmm. with how, I mean, you and I talk a lot about like healthy boundaries. That's something that's been a struggle. I mean, I think it's a struggle for all of us. It just yeah. manifests itself in different ways, but like something that I've really been working through the last few years. Um, and when I don't have healthy boundaries for myself, I tend to in with good intentions, want to offer, you know, that spacious, like, oh, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm available for you to other people. But when I don't have healthy boundaries for myself, yeah. then I, I end up overextending myself. And then I, I personally like turn into a flake that does not follow through on some of my commitments because mm-hmm. I over, you know, I'm, I'm trying to prove something or I'm trying to, it's not coming from an honest place, you know, yeah. like it's coming from a place of like people pleasing or trying to find my identity or my worth. And so when I don't really tap into that spacious life that Christ is offering me through his identity, like through being his, mm-hmm. then I just, I find myself trapping myself in my own you know, expectations or disappointments or all of these other, or other people's expectations. And then I'm not really able to offer that to other people in a true sense. Mm-hmm. That makes, I don't yeah, know that. No, that. Yeah. That's really great. I think that's really important because we can tend to think often, right. A spacious life means spreading ourselves more thinly to be like more hospitable to everybody yes. every time. But yes. Not, Cause you think yeah. of spacious and you think huge and like expansive and like all of these things. And it's, I mean, it kind of reminds me of that illustration that Bryce would always use about, you know, your power source and like, mm-hmm. you can't just be like plugged into yourself. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. That just is not, it just doesn't work. You have to be plugged into something else. And so that, that power is expansive. Like there is this ability to be, to live this spacious life and offer it to other people, but not on our own, not yeah, with our right. own you know, like we are limited and embracing those limitations through Christ, like through Christ is the way in which we tap into Mm -hmm, that, mm -hmm. that spacious life and are able to then offer that to other people. And, you know, the thing that was always encouraging within our friendships was that we did always point each other back to Christ instead of just being like, well, this is what I need from you. And here's what I can offer, you know, like this transactional relationship. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, if we continue to point each other back to Christ, then we can come back together and continue, you know, like it can keep going without burning out. Yeah. That's a, that's really great. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> Where, you know, let's talk about your hustle habit. Cause I think that's one way, right. That we move yeah. past our limits and we don't recognize them or have good boundaries and all these things we've been chatting about. But, um, on my website, if you go to aspacious.life, you can take your hustle habit quiz for free. And it's just a great way to find out what way do you tend to have unhealthy limits. And so you can ignore your limits. You can blame, you can fall into shame 
or you can try to control your limits. So where do you fall? Oh, 100% the ignorer. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we've talked before, like I'm an Enneagram seven, those that are not familiar with Enneagram. It's, you know, I am all about like more is more, bigger is better. Yeah. Let's, you know, I'm an eternal optimist. I'm always living in the future. Um, and so (laughs) it's, but that's where my anxiety really catches up to me. Mm. And when I like, especially as an adult, we're all that you know, that optimism at a certain point just runs out when it's just, it's just you and the world. And you're just like, everything's wonderful. And then it's like, but my child was just diagnosed with autism, but my husband just lost his job. But I, you know, like all of these, you know, like, and you can only go so far on your own optimism when Mm -hmm. it's not really grounded in, in any, any kind of like truth other than your hope of just like, well, right. fingers crossed, it's all going to work out. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it has to work out, you know? So for me, it's just ignoring and and just continuing to, mm-hmm. to hustle, like mm-hmm. to continue, mm-hmm. you know, like I don't want to be faced with my own limitations mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. then how do I even function? Like I, I always tell Jason, like I have to have a certain amount of like hope that I kind of run on or optimism. Yeah, yeah. And limitations oftentimes feel as if that's like a contradiction to that, or like it, it, you know, it it doesn't make sense. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, well, if you're telling me that I can't do things or that I'm limited in this thing, then it goes against this like optimism that I think like everything is wonderful and it's going to work out and I can do anything I want to do. And the world is my, you know, like all of these kind of mantras I like to tell myself. And so for years, it was just, it was just like, ignore, no, I don't need to hear that voice in the back of my head that's yeah. saying like, but what if it doesn't? Well, this is clearly not working out. <laughs> you know, so. so yeah, what? how did yeah. you begin to make peace with those limits? How did they become invitations instead of like claustrophobic I, uh, chains? <laughs> I honestly feel like I was forced. I was forced because mm-hmm. of my anxiety. Like I mm-hmm. started having panic attacks and especially in my late thirties and an unexpected pregnancy with, you know, so it was like these forced limits that kind of came Mm -hmm. on to me. And, you know, I had, I, it's not that I didn't have a choice, but to embrace them, but kind of like, it was like, okay, I can either go down this path where I just continue to Mm self-destruct or I can dig in deeper and figure out, well, why would God limit me in this way? Mm -hmm. You know, like what, why, why do I have to give up this dream or why am I, have I been given this child that I was like, I do not think I can handle. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) It's like, I knew enough to know that God is good and that he Mm. wants good things for me. And so it was like, then I was like kind of digging in and I started recognizing like the areas of health in my life or like that that was because of certain routines. Like Mm -hmm. my whole life, I have like avoided routines. I didn't want to be a typical mom. I didn't want to have a typical job. I, I don't, I don't clean. I don't cook like (laughs) (laughs) any way that I could just be like, go against the grain so that I could be free. 
but in the end, those, all those things ended up trapping me mm. and self, Mike, I ended up self-destructing to where it's like, I could lose the things that are the most important to me because I am so desperate to have this freedom. Mm. And what is freedom if you're just all alone and yeah. isolated and lonely, right. you know? So I think for me, it started with certain like, it's silly, but like certain household tasks that yeah. I had always fought against. And so, I mean, I think I talked last time in your podcast where you asked me my laundry routine and I said, I started doing my laundry every day. Yeah. And I remember deciding to do that, even though it was hard and I didn't like it, I started doing that. And I started realizing the freedom that came hmm. within like yeah. the routine of like that at, at every night I felt like all my laundry is done and put away. And it wasn't this like thing that was looming in the corner that was slowly right. growing that I knew eventually <laughs> I would have to. And that is such a metaphor for my own life is just like this ignorer of like all the stuff that's mm -hmm. piling up because I am chasing after freedom. It's like this, like all my limits and all of my, you know, like humanity is just kind of like chasing me instead of yeah. me turning around, face it and embrace mm -hmm. it for what it is. Mm-hmm. I, I, at least when I look back and like, that was kind of a turning point for me was like having Lucy, mm -hmm. we were in California, like just like all my limits kind of catching up to mm -hmm. me and going, mm -hmm. okay. And choosing I, to like dive in there instead of keep running from them. That's really, yes. Beautiful. And yeah. so it started kind of with the laundry. Then it, then it was like, you know what? Like my whole life, I was like one of those Christians that was like, you don't need to go to church every, every Sunday in order to be a Christian. Like you don't need to read your Bible every day. You know, it was just like, like, just yeah, like that. pressing back from like fundamentalism. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I was definitely raised in a more fundamentalist, you know, like Baptist church that definitely focused a lot more on like what you do as a Christian is what makes you a Christian. And so there was some necessary yeah. rebellion and that, yeah. that I needed in college, especially to just be like, to push back on and say like, no, I am like, I'm not earning this on my own. I'm like what I do. So that was important, but then, you know, a decade goes by <laughs> right. like, I don't have to read my Bible every day. And then it's just like, um, well, you need to read it a little bit because it, it actually reminds you of the truth. And that's where you are set free mm -hmm. is through that truth that you're given in scripture. And so if, yeah, so then just creating certain habits mm -hmm. for myself and then over time, allowing myself the freedom in like, okay, I'm not going to be perfect at this. Mm -hmm. but I can get up and I can try again the next day. Mm -hmm. And that was like a really mm -hmm. important aspect for me too, because I tend to be really overwhelmed with certain commitments that I'm like, I've got to do this every day at the same time. Like, no, I can't, Yeah, <laughs> but just saying like, no, it's just, it's like an, an important thing to do to that actually in like reframing it. So mm -hmm. as a seven, like I am good at reframing. And once I realized like, no, there's just a different type of freedom in doing my laundry every day or reading my Bible every day. It's yeah. tapping into something that I was really missing when I was kind of running from all of those things. Mm -hmm. Are you worn out by hurry and hustle and yet you don't know what it looks like to find a better way? Well, Jasmine Holmes called my book, A Spacious Life, balm for a weary soul. Tish Harrison Warren called it a needed tonic, and Jen Pollock-Michelle talks about it as rescuing us from the siren call of self-help. Join these women as they have experienced both their own limits 
and seen how my book, A Spacious Life, helps all of us to embrace the goodness of our God-given limits. Find out more at aspacious.life. That's aspacious.life. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At BOW, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. Which of the invitations in the book feel like your invitation for your for this season of your life? So there's, you know, the the and it, you know, the book walks through the life of Christ, and we talk about how Jesus was small. So there's an invitation to smallness. There's an invitation to set aside social media and be present with people. An invitation to wait, to rest, delight, pay attention into community in the church, um, remembering the stuff of the kingdom. So those are like transformational objects in your life, um, abiding with Christ through loss and then being surprised by hope as well as purpose. Yeah. I, I mean, so many of them touched on different areas. Like <laughs> I, I really did relate to a lot of them. Um, I think right now in just the season that we are currently in, I really resonated with, with the waiting. Waiting does not feel spacious. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like, oh, I'm not in control. Like, what? Like, I have, and like I've said, I tend to live in the future. I tend to live, like, run on that optimism of Mm -hmm. what's possible, like, in Mm -hmm. the future. And so, you know, but that, like, runs out at a certain Mm -hmm. point when it's Mm -hmm. just me, like, and then what happens when you get there and you're like, this is what I expected. Oh, and now I'm waiting even more. Like you're going from one waiting room to another. So like, we're currently, you know, we're not in like involved in a church body right now, which feels, I mean, we knew moving back here, that was a bit of a leap of faith for us. Mm -hmm. We were moving back to be near family, just like the slower pace in the Midwest. We just wanted to go back home we quickly mm-hmm. found the house that we kind of fell in love with and felt this tug, but we knew it was like, I was not, you know, overly optimistic, at least about like, it's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. We're moving back in the middle of a pandemic where it's very difficult to build community. And we knew the church kind of landscape of Rockford and how it was going to be difficult for us to find a place where we fit. Like we felt like we fit. Yeah. So that's, that's, and, 
and our house has taken much, much, much longer than yeah. we expected. Yeah, so lots of um, waiting on lots of different fronts. Yes. yes, and Jason, you know, we moved here without a job for Jason, and you know, there's also that kind of like, what is God calling to mm-hmm. us to next? Mm-hmm. So there is a lot of waiting, and you know, realizing that like I have to continue to kind of like plug back into mm-hmm. the gospel to what God has promised because my hope runs out yeah. when it's just um like when I'm just running on my own optimism. Yeah. Um, let me read know, just a little a bit. Yeah. Let me just read about these two types of waiting that I write about in the book. I said, there's a type of waiting where you remain walled off. You distract or numb yourself to move through time faster. You turn in on yourself. You fill up on salty chips, Netflix binging, (laughs) online political debate, or conjuring up imaginative vacation plans, anything to take you away from your own lack of control. There is another type of waiting where you lean into the pain to more deeply experience a peace that passes understanding. This is the sort of waiting that we see Jesus do. That's hard though, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'll say that first type of waiting with yeah. me most of last year. Oh, right. I I'm mean, just, I think a know, lot of pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, distracting myself, um, you know, in good things, mm-hmm. not necessarily like bad things, but, but yeah, you come to the end of that and then you're mm-hmm. like, okay, yeah, we're still waiting. Like mm-hmm. what? And, but yeah, I've come to, obviously I don't love it. It's very uncomfortable, but I have come to embrace like how it kind of forces my hands like towards God, Mm -hmm. like that it is, it does feel like an invitation instead of a punishment or a, or a kind of languishing, like Mm -hmm. as if like, well, God's He's not going to give you what you want right. because you need to learn a lesson right. first. Like, I, I mean, it's and, not a math equation that... or something, you know, no, Where it's like, well, it's once we like... figure this out, the answer to this thing, yeah. you know, it's then the like waiting. We're in... yeah. yeah, exactly. It's not like we're in one of those escape rooms or something. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you've got to solve this problem right. before yeah. God's going to let you out to a better life. And it's like, but what if the waiting is the thing? Like what? What if the waiting yeah. is the, the, the kind of, um, the thing that ignites and, and actually mm-hmm. is the passage way, well, not even the passage way, but like, what if that's what living a spacious life is, Yeah, is like being comfortable in the waiting. Like it's, it's, it's a form of like actively Mm-hmm. working towards contentment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because if I can be content when I'm very uncertain about a lot of areas in my life, then like, what else is there? I mean, right. like how yeah. else is there like that? That's what it is. Yeah. It's, it's, um, because then no matter what happens in your life, you're not rocked. You're not, you're not confined. You're not trapped. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's, yeah. that's the way that I've been trying mm-hmm. to reframe it. Obviously it goes against my nature, but that's also just a way in which I continue mm-hmm. to preach the gospel to myself. Mm-hmm. Tell us more about like how, like walk us through, what does it look like to reframe something like in a given day, either, you know, like waiting for, <laughs> you know, the pandemic to lift, you know, or, you know, if it's <laughs> like your house is not finished or, you know, church stuff or yeah. What does it look like? to practice like in a daily sort of way, a way to reframe things, you know, in ways that aren't like Pollyannish, you know, and like 
right. Hey, everything is just going right. to be fine. Like not reframing it that way, but to do so exactly. like, and grieve the loss and the lack of control. Yes. What does that look like? That is How do you de- do that? That's definitely been a theme of this last year of, of like holding grief and joy together. Mm-hmm. I believe that they exist, co- like they coexist in any healthy, like self-aware person. They, mm-hmm. they have both yeah. grief, grief and joy. Like you cannot be someone who's a deep <laughs> person <laughs> if you mm-hmm. cannot come to terms with that you have both of those. So I think for me, it's, it's recognizing certain triggers or attitudes of like either frustration or anxiety or depression and realizing that those are invitations to ask more questions. Mm -hmm. And then it's an opportunity to, to reframe the situation and not that you do it in a way that like blocks out the hard, but Mm -hmm. that balances it, like Mm -hmm. balances out. Mm -hmm. So when I reframe something, it's really about seeing it from like a bigger perspective than just Mm -hmm. my own and my own feelings, Mm -hmm. because my feelings, I can't, I can't really trust. I've come to realize that (laughs) trust my own emotions in any given moment. And that doesn't mean I shove them down and I don't acknowledge them. That's super unhealthy too. Mm -hmm. No, it's saying that my emotions are not the end all. They are an invitation. They are an opportunity to ask more questions Mm -hmm. and then an opportunity to give fullness to the situation. And in that way, I can somewhat shift my emotions Mm -hmm. even, Mm -hmm. you know? So if I'm finding myself really grieving I'm trying to think of an example of something that I've had to really grieve recently. Oh, well, <laughs> hopefully I'll like end up crying about this, but um, so my daughter, Lucy, she's my youngest, she's five. She's in kindergarten this year and was so excited. She's that kid that has wanted to go to school since she was like two, you know, it's so like ever since her sister went to school, she's mm-hmm. like wanted to go to school. And it was her first field trip where they were going to an apple orchard, you know, that like yeah. classic, just like, you know, she gets to ride a bus for the first time and they're, she's going with her friends where they're going to an apple orchard. And so I had signed up as one of the volunteers, which, you know, has, has a backstory to it with just some issues that we dealt with my son, who's on the autism spectrum and just um, not being able to volunteer in the classroom. Mm-hmm. So it just felt like a very mm-hmm. special thing I was really looking forward to and ended up getting canceled because of rain. And I had to tell her, which I, and hold her while she cried. Mm. And I cried too, because I was very, mm. I was very disappointed. And then they rescheduled when I was on a trip. And so my husband went instead. Um, and so that like mm. grief just really like washed over me. It felt like, and I, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, just the smallest things these days can really knock you over with grief because we've grieved so many things in the Mm -hmm. last year and a half. And so sometimes the small things that we have to grieve almost feel more significant because Mm -hmm. it's like this on top of everything else. It's just like the thing that, you know, it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. And then you just are like faced with this grief, um, this wall of grief that a lot of us have probably Mm -hmm. been running from. And so I, you know, as I started crying and grieving that there was a part of me that wanted to say, this is stupid. Why am I crying? She's going to have more like, you know, this negative Mm self-talk that starts to happen Mm -hmm. of like, you know, there's going to be plenty of other ones. Like, this is dumb. Like, why are you crying? You know, 
asking myself why I'm crying, but in a very like condescending, Mm. like this is stupid. You shouldn't be crying. And instead like a way in which I was able to reframe that situation was to say, I wonder why I I'm Mm. like, what is it about this that really triggered this like intense grief? And it, it gave me an opportunity to dig a little bit deeper to actually walk through the grief because we all know you can't run from grief. You have to actually (laughs) Yeah. walk through it It'll and come so out sideways being, yeah <laughs> right yeah yeah exactly like it will catch up to you one way mm. or another and I have learned the quicker you can turn to face it and mm. and allow it to teach you something about yourself the better and and you know I was able to say you know God even in these little small things like he cares like yeah. he he cares that this makes me sad. Mm-hmm. And he cares that, you know, this is Lucy's first field trip as silly as it is. Yeah. And he does, he is a God of good gifts. And mm-hmm. so I don't need to let this, um, inform me that, you know, that he is not for me, that he's against yeah. me. And so it allows me to lean into why is it that this was taken from me and maybe it's an opportunity to, you know, face a grief I hadn't faced, you know, that where this kind of mirrors another grief. Yeah. Cause that's usually what's happening. It's never one grief in and of itself. You're usually grieving many things mm-hmm. at once. And so it just gave me an opportunity and I was able to process it through with another friend and just realize that it actually went much deeper for me going back to just some of the some of the grief that I had had with my son and it ended up being like, Hmm. it's still hard. Obviously I'm still (laughs) crying about it, but it was such a gift to be able to connect certain dots and then be Hmm. able to now move forward. Yeah. Knowing that about myself and knowing, you know, certain like choosing healing yeah. you know, versus like harboring or running from the grief. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, that's um, maybe a long-winded explanation of like no, reframing, thank but you, thank you know, I, I think every, every hard emotion, especially the hard emotions, but even the good emotions are invitations to ask ourselves more questions. And so reframing ends up looking kind of like painting a fuller picture. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean like, oh, I'm just ditching that framework and I'm picking up this framework. It's kind of like, I think this requires a new framework Mm -hmm. and it requires additional framework, you know, to really support this, you know, Mm -hmm. and grow from it instead of running from it. Mm -hmm. Good work. That's hard. Well done. (laughs) Growing up is hard, isn't it? It's It's still, it's still hard. hard. (laughs) It's still really hard. It is. Yeah, it is. Well, as we conclude, I'd love to hear your laundry routine. It may have changed with a home renovation. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. So our laundry room was one of the last things that we've had done. And so it's still a bit of a disaster. (laughs) Yeah. In the past, like when I'm in a healthy place, I love to do my laundry every day, like start to finish. Mm -hmm. Um, I just find ironically enough, a lot of freedom in that, but that yeah, is freedom in the not moment. my current it. situation. My current situation is that I wait until it piles up and the kids are like, I have no clothes to wear. And I don't, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, just re- re- rewear those socks. It's fine. Like whatever. I'll do the laundry tomorrow. Yeah. 
but it's just such a good reminder because I think it's also like usually an indicator of like what's happening like in my own kind of life and heart is like oddly enough my laundry routine and it's kind of like what I had said to you about like that's when I really started to embrace my limitations and you know like lean into routines and rhythms that were like healthy so when that one is out of whack it's usually like hmm Yes, time to rain. It's a good little diagnostic tool, maybe. (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you so much for for being here, for um, sharing your own heart with the listeners, and of course, for being a spacious person. Love you too. Thank you. Thanks. friends. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Carla Reed. I encourage you to go follow her on Instagram. If you don't already, that's Carla with a K R E E D. It's at Carla Reed at Instagram. She will bring so much inspiration, not only to your wardrobe, but also to your life. I want to think together about how do we slow down? How do we take a small step into our everyday holy lives from that conversation And this season, I am inviting you to practice pocket practices. They're practices that are small enough to keep in your pocket. And you can get a download of those pocket practices at aspacious.life. And sometimes we need to really involve our bodies as we consider some of the griefs and losses and joys that we've held on to these last few years through a global pandemic and so many other disruptions and griefs and sufferings that we've all experienced collectively and personally. So now I'm going to invite you to wherever you are, simply put your hands into a fist, ball them up tight, and then I want you to release them, to open your hands wide. And I'm going to speak the blessing that Aaron gave to God's people in number six over you. And I want you to receive that. This was something, too, that our church in Scotland, when we were there for grad school, that the pastor would hold the newborn babies as he would baptize them and bounce them around, and the whole congregation would sing this blessing. So receive this in your body and in your souls. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Friends, it's been an honor to journey with you into some really good questions about how do we actually live out this spacious life. I would love it if you ran on over after you finish listening to the podcast to aspacious.life. There's some free tools there to help you. There's a hustle habit quiz as well as a roadmap to give you some practical questions and suggestions to move out of that hustle habit. And you can also get those pocket practices there and order a copy of A Spacious Life. If you've already read it and you love the book, thank you. Would you take a minute just to review it on Goodreads or Amazon or wherever you purchased A Spacious Life? Thank you, friends. May you remember that all of these big things matter, but so does your laundry.